1: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com
0: to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some
1: serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. apply. Welcome into another episode of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me here today. As always, we're taping on a Thursday morning. Chris has an obligation, uh, tomorrow morning. So we normally tape on Friday morning, but today we're taping on Thursday morning. Hope everyone has a great weekend ahead. It's, uh, I don't know what it's like in Baton Rouge right now, uh, but in Oxford, it is, it is chilly and damp and it's supposed to rain all day and you can feel the moisture in the air and it's kind of bone chilling.
1: It's not quite as cold as you know, it usually is not unless we get the weird weather a little bit further South. It's, uh, it's gray and just cool. Not, not, not as cold as doesn't sound as cold as it is where you are.
0: (laughs) I don't mind cold, but the damp cold gets you, gets you every time.
1: That's what people don't realize. That's the, that's the humidity in reverse or it is humidity in that sense. It's not, you know, just like it's hotter in the summer because of the humidity, people don't I've been in Colorado in 20 degree red weather and it is dry and it is just like a nice little sweater um, here being so close to water it as you called it that's the exact right dampness is what we what we call it down here it's damp and damp is our phrase for you know, when we say in the summer it's humid because it could be 50 And I'm telling you, it could feel like 15 if you got wind and you got, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because the other, um, when was it (laughs) the week? I, I've been trying to do a better job once a week, knocking the leaves out from the back of the house to the front of the house. Cause it's a pain in the, you know, what, if I let it stack up and it's a big job. So it was the day and I forget now I'm kind of lost in the days that the the weather was going to change. I get out there with a blower, and dumbass here. I mean, it, it's as I'm as I'm blowing it, it's going good. But then the wind comes. Well, the wind always comes from the direction that would basically blow the leaves back up in my face. But it wasn't. And after twice, I said, "Well, screw this." So I waited until the the front came through, and it got a little cooler. And the next day, it was cold, sunny. But dry air and I was able to move the leaves, but I literally just took the lease and I got it to a certain point where the house was blocking it. And then when it got out in the open, it literally just started blowing in my face. And I'm like, I hope nobody's looking because everybody's saying like the dumbass, <laughs> you know? So, but um, yeah, so that's the weather report. Honestly, uh, I'll just
0: tell you this before we get off the weather, the coldest to prove your point, the coldest I have ever been covering a football game was I want to say it was Auburn at LSU. I was I was covering Auburn. I think it was 2001. The game was uh, scheduled for September, and then 9/11 happened, so it got moved to uh, the last weekend of the season. And it was so cold in that pre- that Tiger Stadium press box on a December night. I was, you know, on the in the front row, kind of down there on the right, and um, I got so cold, man. I, I I and I was prepared for it, but I got so cold that I went down. And found an LSU blanket and bought paid, overpaid for a blanket and wrapped that thing around me just to give me one more layer. Man, I was I was cold. And I was so glad when we went down to the field, you know, after the game and came back up to write, I was so glad they'd closed those windows, man. Cause whoo, it was rough. I was, well,
1: real, real quick, I gave you my story of the coldest. Uh not not that I'm trying to compete, but uh so people may or may not know I'm a Louisiana boy, like you are. South Louisiana boy for me, though, so even even warmer weather. So, you know, I'm young first coaching job, young coaching job is at LSU. My move from LSU was to go to Cleveland, work on Belichick staff in Cleveland. So the South Louisiana boy moves to Cleveland. And for people who don't know, you know, obviously Cleveland's cold. I, I, I think people are aware of it, but unless you're in it, you don't realize that the lake effect – being near the lake, um, is so much colder than say Cincinnati or Columbus. I mean, and so like it, it, not just the coldness, but the dampness and the snow. I mean, it's just like, it may not snow an hour, but, but, uh, uh, south, but right there, it's just, and it snows. It's like a, a snowball coming at you. So we're there and it's my first year and I'm on, you know, my role that first year was not in the box it was on the sidelines and it was charting and we happened to be playing the chargers the san diego chargers and when and it was the first cold day that i had been there on the sidelines as a member of the brown staff and when i tell you cold it was <laughs> cold um and i didn't know how to do it what i did was do what you're not supposed to do, and I learned this in retrospect. I mean, I'm like, I'm in the locker, and I, I think I put on seven pairs of socks. I mean, I, I which is by the way, tip, don't do that because it it stopped the circulation. I couldn't move, so your your feet can't move. They literally in a in a bent position. It was so bad. That I I we I had Gore Tex as my top layer because it was snowing, and they had heaters, and I literally didn't realize it. I was by the heater so close that it burned my Gore Tex up the back. I didn't I didn't really I didn't feel it, didn't see it, but the equipment <laughs> manager came in and 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 uh, promptly showed everybody my pants, and I I, I didn't know notice even when I took it out that it was completely burnt, melted. So. I had a hard time writing uh you know with the glove, and it wasn't enough. it was so cold, and then the talking and the communicating on the headset it was you know it was like and it's the mumbling it was miserable, and to do the job it was it's really tough, and we didn't have as much of the stuff that they have now now they've got that material that's a little different it used to be more like. What I call cottony, like sweating shirts and stuff. Which, I mean, it's good in some, but it, it, it. I really did a poor job, and it and it really just showed the elements of man, it just so bad. But that that was as cold as I've. The wind coming off the lake in the old stadium, where there's the opening between yeah. the sideline in the end zone, and the wind's coming through and hitting and. That was something now, I was not cold at the top because I had enough layers of stuff, but it was the extremities. It was the feet, the face, the hands that really was tough. So anyway, they always say now they've got special socks that they do now, but they say if you take like, well, some people say you put pepper and all that. And I, I, I've never tried cayenne pepper in this. I, I don't know if that works and i never tried that, but my luck, I'd, you know, screw something up. But you, you, maybe if you take like a, a good pair of socks and I think if you put like saran wrap, you know, that clear wrap clingy stuff, and then you put another, that's better than putting like four pairs of socks or something. Uh, I didn't know that. So
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, that's that's my. Southern boy goes north story, and I learned better after that.
0: Now, I've been to Cleveland in March when the <laughs> snow was in the wind and it's cold. It's, they, it's- they
1: they put me in the press box, I, not because of this, but I ended up moving to the press box for better viewing and for for my role. But that would have been a day out, and of course, that then we didn't we had open press boxes at the old stadium, but still, out of the wind, I would have been better off then. But anyway, that's my story. So.
0: All right, so there's a lot of topics to get to in uh, in college football today, not all of them in the SEC. We'll we'll talk about the SEC games in a little bit. Frankly, it's not all that compelling of a week. Uh, the only news in the SEC right now is news that I'm waiting to kind of work on. Ole Miss, uh, which does not play this weekend, hit the pause button yesterday because of uh, some COVID issues. They tested the entire team. Uh, Wayne Kiffin said they'd get those tests back this morning. So I'm sure – knowing my luck probably halfway through this broadcast. my <laughs> this stuff, But uh, I think for Ole Miss, they're going to end up being okay. If they had a game this week, it might be a little iffy, but um, they don't. So Ole Miss doesn't play again until the 12th. So um, they got some time to work through their, uh, their COVID stuff. Uh, Liberty does not have time. Liberty was scheduled to play at Coastal Carolina, Chris. It was going to be a huge game for Liberty. Instead, uh, Liberty has COVID issues. They can't go. That uh, rumor now uh, official and BYU is moving in to play Coastal on Saturday. It, it It's funny. Listen, first of all, I'm glad. I'm glad we get football. I'm glad we get to see BYU play a good team. I'm glad we get to see Coastal play a good team. It does make me uh, laugh a little at the people who say you have to schedule football games 30 years in advance. Uh when when BYU and and Coastal can get it done on a, on a Wednesday and and uh make it official on Thursday to play on on Saturday morning there in in uh in in South Carolina which uh I guess what are your thoughts on does this game give is this enough of an opponent to give BYU a little more street cred for that fourth spot
1: um no not not enough to get them in the mix in any scenario there's no scenario by which BYU can be selected among the four. There's no, but it will, I think potentially move them up from 13, a little bit higher. I mean, I don't know that they move ahead of, uh, you know, a Miami or an Oklahoma or Indiana or an Iowa state, um, Georgia. I mean, it's, it's possible they can move up a few spots, but 13 versus 18, I mean, just doesn't do it. I think combining this with say a potential win against a Washington had that happened. Um, maybe a little bit, it could have put them closer to where Cincinnati is, but they're not, they're not, uh, no, they're not close. And even if, even if you have just the Florida A&M Cincinnati, I mean, it's every, everybody starts losing here in the last game. They are so far out. There's really no scenario where they would be in it based upon where they are. An impressive win, though, I think will give them. Yeah, I think they'll give them street cred. I just don't think it'll give them committee cred. How's that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it is interesting how those games can get thrown together like this. And, and in the past, people said, "Oh, you just can't do it. You have to." Skip oh, it. you're right. In advance and all
1: that. It's stuff. not not can't. Won't. We don't do it. We haven't done it. And no, it's what I've said all along too. And you you can. This is where better leadership in college football. And I want to get off on a tangent, but where you can put together schedules that are more meaningful, that are a little bit more. Uh, all you need to do is do it a year in advance. In fact, that's something you can do. Something you can do. You can look at it and say, you know what? This would be a really good matchup. We're University ABC. We think we can be, let's see if we can reach out to university across the country and see if we can't put a game together. I I mean, I, I think you need to have some independent organization. Now, the reason why you have to do a lot of things early is because if you, if everybody's doing it early, if you're not doing it early, then you do get left out. But that's the whole point. If you just forbid it from being too far in advance well, then I think it gets a little foolish to where you have games for out because you can say, well, it it uh, you don't know if Texas is – heck, if you schedule Texas, how do you know if they're going to be good, real good, average, or just god-awful? Michigan, for example. I mean, you just don't know. You have a better idea a year in advance. You're right.
0: The other story that's out there this week, that is really interesting from a playoff standpoint, and all of that is the Big Ten and the uh, ACC both have sort of cleared the path to make it a little bit easier for their ranked teams mm-hmm. to get to the playoff. Um, look, I don't think in the end it's going to matter. Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame was going to play Wake or something like that. I mean, it was a game Notre Dame was going to win. Um, games are getting canceled, games are getting whatever. It's one thing when this happens from a COVID standpoint. It's another thing, Chris, when I think it's happening for a competitive standpoint. I I have one opinion on the COVID stuff, and I have another complete opinion on, hey, we're going to make it easier to get our undefeated teams to the playoffs. It's not supposed to be easier. You're supposed to play your schedule. You play your schedule, and if you navigate your schedule successfully, well, then you reap the rewards of that. Kudos to Greg Sankey, who was asked, Hey, are you gonna, you know, cancel Arkansas's game? I mean Alabama's game at Arkansas on the twelfth. Are you gonna cancel Florida's game against LSU on the twelfth? Games that look, Alabama should beat Arkansas, obviously. Uh Florida should beat LSU, obviously. But it's it's far easier to do it without playing it than it is to do it on a field where sometimes and you've covered football for a long time you've been a part of football for a long time you've seen upsets happen in football crazier things have happened where one team has the game of its life against a team that has the worst game of its life at the same time and you know I don't think it's conceivable that for example that Arkansas could beat Alabama this year but it's not completely out of the realm of all possibility that LSU would put it all together one day and give Florida a huge scare and maybe pull it off. It's not likely, certainly, but but it's it's conceivable, and I think the fact that those games get played make it more make the SEC more credible.
1: Well, it does, and it's why. You know, I'm going to take a shot at the lack of organization in college football. So backwards, so poorly handled that you need to have, in my opinion, someone that can say, look, I, I Big Ten, you don't want to, this is back in August, you know, in this scenario. You can't do it. You don't want to do it. It's a problem. Then, you know, that's fine. But then, you know, there's a certain point before it happens where you say you're not going to be eligible for, for the playoff. I mean, you know, you have to have that ability to do it. Now, that's exactly why we don't have leadership because everybody wants to do their own thing. And again, that's the problem with college football administratively. So they can do whatever they want. And the committee hasn't put any stipulations on it. So the Eligibility for the Big Ten Championship and the selection in the playoffs are two different things, although they do blend over to one or the other. Obviously, common sense says the more games you play, if you're Ohio State and you're unbeaten, the the easier it is for the committee to say, "Oh yeah, they're they're one of the best." Yeah. It's easier to do that when you're seven and zero oh versus four. And oh. It's just it's a tougher it's it's easier to swallow, uh, but it is and I think that the it, what it does it exposes, uh, you know I don't know corruption right it, it exposes, you know what this is and that's complete disregard for organization and look I mean the, I'm sure the Big Ten is going to do everything they can to maybe even adjust the rules to get Ohio State in there and yet Ohio State's in a Big Ten this year. Penn State's awful. Michigan, even if they play their games, awful. I oh. mean, Indiana, I mean, it's just a bad year. Yet. I mean, who's, yet, good in, the, you're, who's
0: good in the Big Ten? It's Ohio State's good, uh, obviously.
1: There's there's nobody yet. I mean, we Indiana's
0: got a nice team. Northwest has a nice team. Iowa's got a nice team. I,
1: I think Wisconsin's good if they had played more games to prove it. Okay. Now, my my thing is a little bit different than most people. People will, and, and this is not the question, I think Ohio State's at a disadvantage, meaning if you put them in the playoffs, I don't think they're going to fare as well in the playoffs as they would have had they played 10 games. They haven't had enough practices. They haven't had enough development. So the issues with, well, they haven't looked that good. Uh, Neither did Alabama against Oh, Miss, you, you think they've gotten a little bit better? It's practices on top of sure. Ohio State's team hasn't been developed. So what they have gained in terms of less risk of players getting injured, they're, they're not as good as a team. But if you're asking me, do I think the Ohio State team that I've seen for three and well, I've seen all four of their games, are they better than AM, Florida, Cincinnati? Would they beat them if they played? In my opinion, Yes. The, is, is four games enough? You know what? I have no issues with it. No, it's not. Um, it's in, that's in terms of, so what is the question? And this is part of the problem with the lack of transparency of how they want to do this from a committee standpoint. What is the standard? What is the minimum? What do you have to do to earn your way in? Well, this has never been an issue before because you'd never, ever have the discussion. What if you have a team that only plays five games? Well, that's never going to happen. Well, it does this year. So uh, you can put in a team that, in my opinion, is not as good as they are but is accomplished more, or you can put a a, a team that I think is better. uh, But remember what my background is. My background is coaching the scout and, and, and going to the scouting end and, and even in my consulting work, the coaching stuff, my, my kind of, my job lives on, and I'm not tooting my own horn knowing that Nick Saban was a really good coach when I, you know, recommended him at Michigan State and recommended him at LSU. Everybody knows he's great now as a player trying to do that. And, and I've missed on many and I've get, but that's, I, I look and see what do I think Ohio State is. I think they're one of the four best teams in the country, but you know, at what point do you just have to prove it? And, um, you know, the amount of games is going to be a, 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 factor, but when you don't have a regulation, then you open yourself up to it. You know, you've got to understand that this was a unique year and you have to figure it out on the fly, but when you don't have leadership, you got this mess. So now they're struggling. Now you got Michigan who, Let's just call it what it is. Um, I, be, I I don't know it's a you know, I don't think I think they would have no problem not playing Ohio State. And I do believe playing Maryland, not playing Maryland this week was a little bit more of a cover to say. We couldn't even play last week against Maryland, and we can't play i I, I think much like we talked about with lSU against Alabama, look at what the SEC did. You mentioned it, we talked about it. The SEC said, "Oh no, you're playing." Now they're doing it. Hey, we want to have every game cuz we want to have the TV money. Oh, you're playing LSU, you're playing Alabama and it's this week. Um LSU could have played that game. They had as many players eligible as Arkansas had eligible when they played LSU okay. the next week. It's just, you know, but when you you leave it up to the schools to say, "We got enough," and you don't have oversight, Look, I don't want to be Mr. NFL guy, but and I because I know it's different. I've been involved in both, but it's the NFL that says, "Hey, look, we're going to postpone this game because you're tested positive. You follow protocol, but we're going to postpone it because that's the right thing to do." It's also the NFL that says, "You know, Denver Broncos, you don't play with a quarterback." That's your problem. You didn't follow protocol. Tough. Get your ass out there and play. That's, you know, we don't have that in college. And so the, I, I don't know the right answer. I, will, I don't know the right answer. I
0: will say this, Chris. I, I I do believe, and I can't prove this, but I do believe that you are seeing the SEC a little bit. Basically sort of tell their teams, hey, um, get out there and play.
1: Yeah, so, and I don't know that, again, depends on what you want to do. You know, Everybody has their opinion. Well, make this statement, do this. Well, if you're not supposed to make a statement and you're supposed to pick the four best and they hide behind that, well, in my opinion, if you ask me who the four best teams are, and no, it's not about talent. Because here's the thing, Ohio State's only played four games. They haven't lost a game.
0: But that's not enough games.
1: Well, I know that, but I'm, I'm not saying it is. But it's not like I mean somebody says, "Well, what about Georgia?" More t- Georgia's got blown out by two opponents.
0: Yeah, it's not Georgia.
1: It's not about you know Georgia and Georgia and Ohio State's not the same thing. You can't assume that Ohio State's going to win the rest of the games. You can't assume that they're going to lose them, right? Either. And so it's why I always say in this system, this is a unique year, and I don't know how do we justify it. Um there has been no discussion about. Let's try to see. Let's try to put more games. Let's. They don't want to move J- January first. No. So I don't know how you do it. To be honest with you, because it, it it looks like Michigan's running and hiding. M- maybe legitimately, I don't want to be too. I'm not going to apologize for it, but uh, I'm going to tell you that you know I don't know that Ohio State's going to have their games.
0: Rock Westfall says, just invite. 16 teams to end the argument and excuses.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and again, the powers that be, you don't want to do that. So, I mean, it's, you know, ideas are, there's no shortage of ideas of how to correct things on a one-year basis. There's, again, I go back to the lack of leadership and who can do that? Well, no one has the authority to do that. There's the problem. And that's why a, you don't need a commissioner to be an authoritative dictator because that's not what the commissioners of pro leagues do. They, in a lot of respects are politicians and they need to get the bet. You need to convince the power five, for example, that you're only as good as the others. And and that is the premise of how the NFL was built on. And it is where college football needs to be going forward. If you're going to make the sport better. And, And that's not what college football is. There's this disdain from one league to the next and we're better than you and the fan bases, the media, and I'm not of that type because I love college football. And I think getting it better for everybody is what I would like to do. And that is not set up. And in today's world, if you had the current owners in the NFL, I guarantee you Jerry Jones doesn't care about the NFL. He cares about how it affects the Cowboys. But back in the day, the NFL made it. Revenue sharing made it you got to remember, if you're Ohio State, if you're Alabama, if you're USC, if you're Texas, you're competitors in recruiting, you're competitors on the field within your respective leagues, but you're business partners across the line. And if you don't do what's best with the sport, we're going to continue to have problems. Opting out, quitting basically. And, in, and it's not only players doing it, but I sense we've got some teams and coaches doing it to run for cover because it may hurt their status as a coach. It certainly may hurt recruiting. And this stuff has to be stopped, and it can only be stopped with good leadership, which we don't have. And so all the ideas, they're great. Thank you for them. We've heard, you know, a hundred of them besides that. doesn't matter if you don't have any way to implement it, and there is no way to implement that other than individually within the conference, and that's not good enough. Jim Harbaugh going to survive this off season? No, there's an exit strategy. He's not going to give up any money, but there's, you know, there's an exit strategy. He's going to want all of his money. He's only got one year and, and, and it's, you know, it's not like they own 30, you know, I mean, it's a, um, you know, he's trying to find a landing spot. He'd like to con his people are trying to convince people in the NFL that, he can do something there that he couldn't do in college. And if there's somebody gullible enough to make that move, then that would be perfect for him because then he could move and get the new contract. And I don't see him being back next year. However, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that with one year left, I think there's a lot of pressure outside to make the move. Um, Ward Manuel, who I know, by the way, I recruited the guy, the sucker from New Orleans, believe it or not. And he's the athletic director, former Michigan. I recruited him so well at LSU, went to Michigan. Yeah. Um, You know, one year left, would they try to punt if they can sit there and say, look, it's be, it would be very easy for him to justify bringing him back next year if they can say technically, well, we didn't get beat by Ohio State this year. The game was, it was canceled. It, it's a lot better. But, you know, when you get blown out and you get beat by pretty much everybody that they've played this year to get a a 60-point beatdown or whatever it would be against Ohio State, that would make it tough. I really do think that the chances of him surviving probably depend upon not how they would perform against Ohio State, but whether the game's even played or not. I think that's the only chance. Other than that, I see an exit strategy if Jim could leap. If he can't then and they don't play the Ohio State game, that's the one possibility comes back.
0: The other kind of rumor out there in coaching circles that I know this is an SEC show, but we call it SEC football and beyond for a reason. Sometimes we get beyond the SEC, and this is one of those days. Uh, There's a lot of growing rumblings about Texas moving on from Tom Herman, and one name keeps coming up, And no one's killing that name. And the name is Urban Meyer, former Ohio State coach, former Florida coach, now with, um, I guess, Fox Sports, FS1, whatever. He's been doing that for a while. He's very good at TV, but I've learned something about former coaches. No matter how good they are at TV, they always want to coach again. Is is Urban Meyer going to be the next head coach at Texas?
1: I doubt it, but I don't rule it out. You're not going to hear him rule it out. You never hear coaches rule it out because they love to hear – they love to be courted and they love to everybody to know that they're being courted. Their current employer, be a TV or another school or another team. They love that. It feeds the ego. Um, do I think urban wants to coach again? Yeah, I do. I do think that's in his blood. The issue with him is a little different with the, um, I think I'm pronouncing it right. The arachnoid cyst or whatever type cyst in the brain is a legitimate medical issue. And I know the family's, been concerned about it for a while, and it's never not been a problem. It's gotten worse and worse, and the stress apparently brings that on. I've I uh, I've known Urban for years. I haven't had a lot of conversation with him since he's been in TV. I, I don't know if that if that's something that can get better. I don't think that I'm, I'm guessing it's not operable, and I'm guessing it can't be fixed with medicine. I, I don't know. So apparently it's going to be there, and it's manageable, it's livable in a comfortable life. But apparently the stress—and I can tell you that coaching is a lot more stressful than um, TV—will be that be a problem? But you're not going to hear his name take it out for a while. Um, Boosters at Texas have been wanting—you know—they they they have put a lot of money into trying to get Darrell K Royal Stadium the upgrades. They're done with Tom Herman and the 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 final straw was just the whole situation this year. I mean, the recruiting's not good. The play on the field has not been good. But then the disaster, which I thought Tom was in a no-win situation, but for the boosters, you make your players just go up with the eyes of Texas and say that, that was like the final straw for the big money guys because we don't care about anything else, but you, hey, we're Texas, and this is what you do, and yada, yada, yada. Um, they obviously they they still think they could have gotten Saban. Well, well, just like Saban, you know, Saban was never going to Texas. He never considered it, but he never took his name out of it because why would you? It only gets a new deal and a better deal and more things for not only himself but his family and for staff in Alabama. So you're not going to see him take his name out. It eventually, they'll move on if they don't get him. And I don't think in the end he will. I would say maybe there's a 30% chance he would take it. Uh, again. And But there's two or three jobs that he would take, and Texas is definitely one of them if he was going to coach. Um, so I, I think Tom is definitely gone. Um, some boosters have said I'm willing to pay out all the money, which is going to be about 25 million of Herman and his staff. If we can get urban Meyer, well, you know, you've got at this point, once you leak it out. And by the way, key prominent people have already met with Meyer this week in, in, um, in Ohio, in Columbus. It's already the contact's been made. It's kind of hard to go back. And say, yeah, we still love you, Tom, and another for another year. I I don't. There's no turning back on on Tom, but I don't know that Urban Meyer to Texas is. I think there's a better chance than because I knew that Saban wasn't going there. That was leverage. This is not a leverage situation. I think if Urban can coach and feels he can medically this would be a job that he would take. So I would probably put it at 30. I'm just throwing that out. I, I think it's less than 50, 50, but that's not, that's not 10%. You know I mean? I, I think there's at least a possibility. If it's not Urban Meyer, who is it? Oh, I think they'd look at, um, I think a name you'd hear would be, um, a Mario Cristobal. I think you're going to hear Matt Campbell. Uh, although, you know, um, I think I think those are two that I think would be prominent names to consider that they feel would be uh, answers. It, it look, Tom Herman, believe it or not, for being a Texas guy alien. I mean, you know, Mac Brown staff and you know all that. The recruiting has been awful, and he's alienated a lot of important people. He's really he's come across as a big time whiner is what he has and and it just, it's not good. They don't like him. I mean, it's not like we like this guy, let's keep him. It's not. They're probably, they're, people in the administration at Michigan want to keep Harbaugh, and there's really no way to do it. At Texas, they want to get rid of Tom Herman. They dislike him far more than Charlie Strong, or you know, Mack was somebody that they wanted to keep, but felt like they need to move on from. They don't like Tom Herman. I don't think this is a matter of if. I think it's Definitely him gone, and then it's a matter of who's going to get the job. Interesting. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to some
0: SEC talk. There's there are some games that are going to be played. They're not a, not a ton of them, but there's some. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Texas A&M and Auburn. This is probably the most compelling potential game. If you told me that every game's kind of a blah this week, I'd buy it. But this is. This one's got a chance to be interesting. Texas A&M playing for a lot right now. They've they're playing to get to 9 and 1 and be able to argue that hey, the only team we lost to was Alabama. That was early in the year. It was at Alabama. We deserve a shot. We played our schedule, etc. This is the they got this is they got a couple of tests coming up. Um at Auburn's a test. I think Ole Miss on the 12th is going to at least be an intriguing test because of what Ole Miss can do offensively. I told you earlier in the week I covered Auburn for a long time, six years as a beat writer, several years as a columnist after that. These are the kinds of games that Auburn wins. Late in, yeah. season, late in the season, at home, against a
1: better team. Particularly Gus.
0: Gus wins these kinds of games all the time, Georgia, Alabama. Lazarus. And now here's Texas A&M. Give me a scenario where Auburn Beats Texas A and M Saturday.
1: It's a lot better scenario than people might think. I think A and is going to win it, but you know, you just mentioned it. Um, first of all, the scenario is that while A and M is very good, very solid, and I, I don't think they're elite, they their explosive qualities in the passing game are really not there. I mean, it's only when you have to overplay the run and then they can get some good matchups, they can have success. They can't throw it when they have to. And if the protection doesn't hold up, they're they're in trouble. And I think you know they don't have a number of guys that can get off tight coverage, get open. Um, I've made the comparison. Texas A&M is like Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's better. Notre Dame's got a better quarterback, but Notre Dame's receivers can't get off tight coverage. Uh, But they're very good. They're very well coached, as is A&M. A&M's offensive line is good. Notre Dame's offensive line is good. Defense is good. AM's defense is good. So the scenario is that you play like you did against LSU. You can't get open. And, you know, I think there's a chance that it could be very close into the fourth quarter. And I do think that that Auburn is capable in a one-game Situation to put it together and and make this a 28 24 24 21 type game in which they've got a shot in the fourth quarter. Do I trust Auburn as much as I trust AM? No. Um, I could see a scenario where Auburn makes mistakes and it's a blowout. It's only going to be a blowout if you make mistakes. AM will punch you then. But if you play a clean game, Auburn, you're going to be in this game, is the way I see it. Um, and, you know, it looks like. Gus has survived another year but a awful finish and we still got games left to play folks usually after you you know play alabama it's over now it, it, it maybe gus is not out of the woods if you have an awful performance so i think that is another reason why uh real quick on this i do think it's important for what we've talked about big picture that AM plays well and wins impressively the eyeball test will matter a lot. It was not good last week. If they finish out the rest of the regular season, remember they're not going to play in the conference championship game, of course. They will have to, I think, impressively win. And if they do, and we have a scenario where Ohio State doesn't have a lot of games, then you can look at a, what would it be, 9-1, and one, yeah. SEC, yeah. only lost to Bama. Yeah. and then you know you but it the it, it just makes the case it builds the case more whereas if you just hold on you know beat auburn they they dominated lsu more than the score indicated but it it you know people a lot of people are not going to see it quite that way i think it makes it makes a case against a m if they're not able to do it but A&M is look i i know I i i'm not surprised they held on to five because the, it, look, the committee is going to sit there and keep them there at five and let Florida jump them if Florida beats Alabama. Florida doesn't beat Alabama, then AM, and hey, we had them right all along. That's how they're, they're going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so we got that one. We got um, an interesting game. Doesn't have any bearing on anything, but Arkansas and Missouri, the line's like three points, two first-year coaches who have done a really nice job, Sam Pittman, Eli Drinkwitz. have uh, have both done well. Barry Odom, the former Missouri coach, now the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. That's a compelling storyline in this one. Uh, Arkansas kind of getting healthy again from a a COVID standpoint, uh, kind of getting everybody back. Sam Pittman said earlier this week they're pretty much back to full strength. Missouri has played well, especially on the offensive end uh, recently. It's got a chance to be an entertaining football contest.
1: I think it can, and I think it will be. Uh, I like the way this Missouri team is playing. They're actually playing better going into this game than Arkansas. And I think they've got more components together. Um, I think it could be very well if it comes down to these two for coach of the year. I, I think likely the winner of this game has definitely got an advantage. I do think there are some other candidates. I think that a, uh, A Jimbo Fisher deserves consideration. I think Dan Mullen has done a really good job. Um, You know, Nick Saban won't get it because they expected to win. But I mean, I think all, I think those are all legitimate. It it usually goes to who surprised you. Well, both of these teams have surprised in a positive way. And I do think, uh, I do think that, um, that Missouri's got a little bit more momentum going. Uh, but I think it's a toss-up game. I really do. I think Arkansas is a little bit better coverage-wise in terms of how they play and, and maybe limit big plays from a coverage standpoint. I think Missouri's got a little bit more consistency going for it in the run game, particularly with Round Roundtree, who I think is one of the more underrated players in this league that people don't talk about. So I don't know. I I I wouldn't be excited about who's going to win it. I, I, I would... Uh, push to shove i'd pick missouri here and, and will when i and i'm my breakdown on LandryFootball.com. i'll explain why but I, I i would take missouri in a close one
0: florida at tennessee this used to be the uh, the the big boy game it is not the big boy game anymore 230 on cbs it's the the first of uh first of the double header cbs games alabama at lsu we'll get to that in a minute I mean, obviously Florida's playing for a lot. They're they're trying to get to the SEC championship game to get their shot at Alabama and, and and therefore a shot at the National College
1: football playoff. Is there any scenario where Tennessee wins? None whatsoever. I mean, look, Florida's defense is not played well. Tennessee's offense, unlike say Kentucky, which is while limited in terms of their ability to be explosive is very consistent, particularly running the football. Tennessee's not consistent enough. So the scenario is that this game could be close and we could at least be talking about a game that's competitive in the second half is no different than what we've seen Florida have uh, against a couple of their opponents this year where they start off slowly, defensively don't settle down, give up some easy points, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a little bit closer than you think. In the end, Tennessee doesn't play enough. Uh, It's not many people are going to be able to slow down Florida much. Let's stop it. So that's not going to happen. Florida, too many points. The wind going away. But sloppy Florida can make this game a little bit more interesting.
0: We've got uh, a game that's only interesting because there's a little part of me that wonders if it actually happens. Vanderbilt at Georgia, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern game on the SEC network. It is it is borderline chaos at Vanderbilt right now. People are very upset inside that program about the um, – you can tell I've gotten some backlash. I'm almost afraid to even say the words. The, 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 the publicity stunt the, uh, that, that, that is – was slash is Sarah Fuller uh, there are people inside the program believe there are better options at kicker more importantly they just don't appreciate the fact that in this season one that players have been asked to to play in front of half full stadiums or quarter full stadiums and take test after test after test and protocols and protocols late in the season the coach gets fired and and you're 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 doing this whatever you want to call it with Sarah Fuller mm-hmm. and a lot of players are just unhappy a lot of players have have uh, opted out threatening to opt out a lot of players threatening not to play is my understanding at at Vanderbilt the line here's like 34 points Georgia's going to win this game by as much as Georgia wins it by I'm I'm this is the one that's got a chance to be kind of ugly I think because it's the SEC Network game and you know what the SEC Network's going to focus on And as the score piles up, it's going to be harder and harder to sell that storyline.
1: Well, it is. And again, uh, one of the things that the whole issue with Sarah Fuller um, brought about last week, it took the eyes off the fact that Vanderbilt was awful. I mean, just even awful by Vanderbilt standards. I mean, the, the, the story to me, the first thing that jumped out to me was the fact that they weren't even good enough to get couldn't get a, a, in an entire game, couldn't get an extra point attempt. They couldn't get a field goal attempt. Even that to me was the bigger story is that they were so bad. They couldn't even do that. So, um, yeah, it takes the optics off of that coaching change, all that kind of stuff. And like, okay, I don't know if that was the purpose. I don't know if the, if the, we're going to do this to take the focus off the fact that we're so bad and we're going to make a coaching change of this or that. I don't know if that was the design, but that's, that's the result
0: Hear Anything new on the Vanderbilt coaching search
1: very early. They've got high hopes. I, I, you know, I've talked to, again, I think I mentioned this to you on Tuesday. I've talked to a couple of friends that, that are interested in the job. And I just said, that's look, you take that job, you better be prepared that that's Going to be your your one and only head coaching opportunity, and, and and it's not that it's a guarantee, but the odds are your career dies there. I'm not definite, but uh, I just think it's really tough. Look, I, I I think if you're Jamie Chadwell, the Jamie Chadwell type guys, I don't I don't think that's a good move. I don't recommend Clark Lee take it. And Clark's a Vanderbilt alum; he played fullback there. I mean, you know, but um, they. To me, if you're going to consider the job, make them put it in writing what they're going to do facility-wise. And if you don't, then I think you walk away. Um, that They are going to sell you know, that, oh, we care about it. Look, if we didn't care, we wouldn't fire the coach. They're going to go and pay the money to hire a coach. I don't think they're going to get people near the top of their list. That's my feeling. So that's why there's not, nothing that's really imminent there. Put any stock into
0: Jeff Fisher? It's not a rumor. I know Jeff Fisher's campaigning for the job. You put any stock into his –
1: I mean, I I work with Jeff, so I know Jeff. And, again, um, I say this respectfully as a friend. Jeff's not going to get a head coaching job in college anywhere. He's not going to get a head coaching job in the NFL. He actually makes his home in Nashville. It's a good job for him. And it's certainly a name – that's probably going to be more recognizable than anybody else. Is it the best fit? Well, no, but, but Vanderbilt doesn't do what they need to do with being the best fit. I jokingly said, Jeff knows what it's like to work with bad facilities. Cause he worked with us when <laughs> with the oral slash Titans, where we had worse facilities than you could ever have in high schools. Um, so, but, You know, that's who Vanderbilt can get. The the guys that they're going to get don't really have a lot of options, meaning they're not going to get head coaching jobs anywhere else. I mean, that's why you get Derek Mason. Well, Derek Mason, I guess you got Derek Mason because he wasn't. Yeah. Oh, he's at Stanford. We hired him. He under. Derek wasn't a candidate anywhere else and wasn't going to get a head coaching job anywhere else. That's who Vanderbilt's going to get. And Jeff Fisher would fit that mold. And that's kind of the direction, whether it's him or somebody else like that.
0: Um, South Carolina, they head to uh, Kentucky, 630 Central, 730 Eastern on the SEC network. Not a lot here. Kentucky finishing out the string that they're going to compete. South Carolina did not compete much last weekend. The, the, obviously Mike Bobo's the interim coach. The, the a lot of talk about maybe that deal getting done here pretty quickly at South Carolina. I, you can talk about the game if you'd like, I'm more interested in the job. What, what, what are you hearing there?
1: Well, the, the thing and I mentioned Tuesday that look South Carolina, people said, well, why can't you get the deal done? I mean, signing day's coming. I, they, doing their due diligence, which I always recommend schools, teams, and candidates to do interview as many people as possible to get a feel what people outside eyes think about your program and team and personnel and everything. Um, and I also think they want to make sure, I think it's like anything else. You just want to make sure it, it, inside their key boosters and key administrators. And, and also Steve Spurrier, because he knows Shane Beamer, that that's who they're pushing and that who is going to get the job. Um, I don't think it's the best fit. I think Shane can be a good coach. He hasn't done it, but I think that's where they're leaning now. Um, And and there's no um, Billy Napier's no slam dunk. He's been a head coach. I'd be a little bit more comfortable just looking at it pure from a football standpoint. But a lot of these guys look at other things and knowing somebody, working with somebody, there's a, I can work with Shane. I don't know Billy as well. And sometimes if they feel it's close, that's the tiebreaker.
0: And then the uh, the nightcap on um, Saturday, a game that LSU didn't want to play a couple of weeks ago. Uh, CBS wanted it played. They wanted it played in primetime. CBS is going to get their wish a couple of weeks late. Uh, Alabama at LSU, the line's 28. Last time I looked at it, it might even be higher than that now. 7 o'clock on CBS. Chris, to me, the the literally the only question here is just how much, just how much does Nick Saban want to roll this one up?
1: Yeah, and to stay healthy you know, to not have another Jalen Waddle situation. That's always possible in football, of course. But yeah, there's there's no question about it. This is gonna be a throttling, um, there's no doubt. Um look, LSU's improved defensively and but but understand that it there was only one way to go. I mean it can always get worse. It can always get better. I live by that in life and in football but it was pretty hard to go worse than it was defensively early in the season. So there was no doubt that they were going to get better. Are they really good? No. Are they really well coached? No. Can they play multiple coverages? No. Effectively? No. Uh, Can they do a good job of pattern matching consistently enough? No. But they do have athletes in the secondary, some of which – really they're all the ones that are playing are playing for their draft stock. Um, and so I do think that some individual matchups could be really interesting. And particularly if we see Stingley uh against Devontae, I think those are that's a couple of good that's that's one good matchup. But I uh, look Alabama, they they've got the best pass block in line in the country and the run blocking is just about as good. They can run power. They throw the football. Quarterback plays great. The route running is great. They'll be able to control the game. They'll be able to score a lot of points and defensive. I mean, look, this LSU offense is woefully inconsistent and I think they'll be able to cause a lot of problems for the quarterback. Um, That's the, you know, so I I don't think this is going to be close at all. I don't think there's any scenario, you know, um other than the bus not showing up for lsu to have a chance here i do not i don't either i i've I, i've said this i'm taking
0: alabama i'd lay i'll lay 28 without a moment's hesitation i'd lay 38 like i wrote this morning hell i might think about laying 48 i i just i don't like this matchup and i think alabama's got this game circled and they remember what got said in that locker room last year and it, stuff gets said in locker rooms all the time but that got filmed and it got put out and
1: That's not the way Alabama rolls. Yeah, and you know, and it's uh, certainly been a humbling season in Baton Rouge because you know all the talk that people said last year. You know, after the champion. Oh, yeah, that's great, but it's a one-year wonder situation. You watch, and of course, LSU. Oh, no, no, we're we're here, and and that was to what you said. It's not the bleep you you know it was hey we're going to beat them in recruiting we're going to beat them on the field this is just the start we are now the program no 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 you're not even you're not even you're not even relevant this year and we're going to make you like you said we're going to make you as irrelevant as can be and the fact that the consistency of alabama that's that's not debatable even clemson can't compare with Alabama's dominant of consistency over a longer period. And that's the closest thing. And they're really good. And if you put Clemson, you take Alabama out of the equation, Clemson is the the star program in the country. They're not even close consistency-wise to Alabama. So, no, I, I, I think you're right on all levels. And I think this game is going to be whatever it's going to be, whatever Alabama wants it to be. And right. I think it's going to be a – look, I thought A&M would put some points on – the issue is I think AM got exposed again that they don't have the explosiveness, which is why AM, you know, okay, let's make the case that AM might deserve to be in the playoffs. Boy, they're not going to fare well. They would not fare well against a Clemson or well, as we saw it in against Alabama. Look everybody a- 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 says, well, AM getting their offense going. Alabama didn't get their offense or defense going either. You know, when you play a game early in the year, it's relative to two, three games played. If A&M and Alabama played again, that margin of victory would be about the same. And I think Clemson would do similarly. And I think Ohio State would be at A&M. But that doesn't mean they're deserving to be in or not. I think A&M's good. I don't know if they're playoff good. And I while I thought they could blow out LSU, they couldn't. I think that the explosiveness is definitely there. No one's more explosive than Alabama. They're going to be awfully tough to beat. In in this case, awfully tough to even be competitive.
0: A little bit of breaking news. It's not particularly shocking news, but it's breaking. It's it's official now. Mackenzie um, Milton, the former UCF quarterback, is mm-hmm. uh, he got this. He suffered that horrific injury in 2018. He's not played since. He announced today that he is uh, going to transfer from UCF. He's a grad transfer. He's got eligibility remaining. Um. Ole Miss has been mentioned because of some connections, obviously there with Jeff Lebby and, 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 uh, Clements, Nebraska has been mentioned because of his connection with Scott Frost. I'm sure that there are other schools out there. Number one, your opinion, does McKenzie Milton have any football left in front of him? I know a lot of people have talked about him being a future coach with that in mind. What, what, what do you sort of anticipate there?
1: Well, I think he can be in, in terms of pro level, very, very limited, but I think and certainly anybody that can come back and do what he's done and shown the type of heart and character to, I, I think there's absolutely an ability to be a very productive player. Um, so yeah, I mean, is he, is he somebody's answer to take uh, a, is he somebody's quarterback answer? Um, not in a big time level, but at, at, I think he can factor in somewhere and where that is, is tough because there's going to be so many transfers, you know, free agency in college hadn't quite started yet. So I I could probably, I would say that, no, I mean, like people say, is he the answer at Tennessee? No, see the answer at no, but you know, he might be better than what they have, depending upon what the circumstances are, you know, it's kind of. How this thing plays out right now, uh, but wish him well. Really good young man, pulling for him.
0: Yeah, it was a terrible injury. I, I would be curious just to see what it, what it is that he wants it, wants to do with his life post football.
1: You know, he might be the um, um, you know, the type of guy that wants to be. Uh, go somewhere where he might learn. I mean, look, so he can go somewhere and be a starter. I mean, that, that would be the thing. He can go somewhere, be a starter, or he can go somewhere and be a quality backup and maybe with a coach that he can learn from and maybe be more like it because if that's what he wants to do, that would make some sense. Um, Garner Mincher was another example. Let's remind folks where he was headed you know, Washington State. He was going to Alabama. Alabama, exactly. To, to be a backup. So, and he was promised a graduate assistant job so they can learn coaching. And then Mike Leach said you'd come over here and lead the country in passing yards and, and throw it A75 times. And 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 he did and and, and his arm is still an ice, but you know no, he's and, and he's it look. you know what in the NFL he's got today. he's got an NFL paycheck. So when he wants to get into coaching he can go and get an analyst job or he can go be a GA if he wants to, and he can live, you know, he can have a nice house and live in. So it, it's a good move. I, I think this could be one of those situations where he could look into.
0: Yeah. It's the reason that I've, I've heard the Ole Miss rumbling for a little while and people are like,
1: oh, well, they've got Matt Corral.
0: They don't need, they don't need um, McKenzie Milton. I'm like, well, he's not walking in to start, but. You know, if you're talking about a guy coming in to, to learn from Jeff Lebby and learn from Lane Kiffin and get the beginning of your uh, your feet wet from a coaching standpoint, it would make some sense, and it would give them an insurance policy because they. Well,
1: yeah, I always say when people say people always say, "Well, okay, so tell me about when Matt Corral goes down." Yeah, what you're you know, and again, we don't have all those answers because right now there probably will be somebody better than then McKenzie that will be the back cause there may be transfers in there. That's why it's hard to say. It's like to say where he'd be a good fit now in a, a month, he might be fourth, which is it's just why you've got to be careful. And the transfer stuff is I'm not going to get into that now, but it's, you know, that needs another thing that's needs to be regulated better. And the whole self-regulation, no, it's too late when you've got, you know, of the players that get into the transfer portal can't even find a home. It's, it's, it's too late for them to figure it out. And then other guys, they say, well, other guys will figure that out. Some will, some won't, because it ain't going to happen to me. I'm too good. I'm going to find a home. That's the attitude with everybody. That's kind of people that says, well, these players are not going to come out early for the draft when they drop. They're still coming out every year. It's a 98. Now it's a hundred. It's a hundred five. The same stupid decisions keep getting made. I've done this for thirty years. It's not me. It won't happen to me. I'm good enough. It's not gonna I'm not gonna be the one. It will be you. You just don't see it. And Uncle Bob doesn't see that. And you listen to the wrong people. So anyway off my soapbox sorry no
0: it's a great point it's why you see (laughs) four-star kids commit to go someplace where you're like well they already have so and so and so and so and that kid thinks yeah but i'm better than them and then they get there and they find out they're not and then they're displeased and all of those things happen it's it's always happened it will always happen and now the all the transfer portal is going to do is is make it happen even more and you talk to coaches publicly privately who know and they say hey this this thing this thing's going to be a zoo it
1: needs to be organized. The concept of being able to transfer is fine. If there are legitimate reasons, it's structured, though, let them go anytime they want, because we're going to give them a carrot so we can take their eyes off of name, image, and likeness is typical stupidity, administrative well, it's, it's malpractice is what it is. And it's why we got a problem. I jumped on the soapbox again at the very end. You
0: did. You did.
1: <laughs> Sorry. We
0: will uh, we will wrap there. You got SEC games this week. You got other games. We will come back on Tuesday and uh, we'll talk about the games, the weekend of behind us. We'll look forward to the weekend of December the 12th, as well as we start getting into some of the makeup games from some of the COVID stuff. We look around the country as we get closer to championship weekend and Hopefully, bowls and all of those things here in the month of December. So, enjoy your weekend, stay safe, and uh, we will be back with you with another edition of SEC Football and Beyond on Tuesday. Until then, take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?